In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Guys, welcome back to the Ensigns Podcast. I'm Blaine. And I'm Sam. And we are recording... Maybe our least favorite content type. So go ahead and leave your app now, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, an episode, I mean, for us to make, we've tried to avoid these, Oh, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Marital fights. <laughs> no. Oh uh, my gosh. This is an episode. This yes. is what... Keep going. I'm telling our friends what they need to know. Yeah. This is an episode where we thought of the idea yes. in a planning meeting. Yes. I said, oh, I have some thoughts about that. Yes. And then I didn't tell anyone anything else <laughs> until, until here we are. Uh, in the future, which because we haven't actually got there yet. You still haven't told me anything. Else. Nope. Uh, which is what I asked be disclaimed at the beginning of this episode, that much like you, the listener, I have no idea what's coming. I know. This is what happened in the planning meeting. Our producer said, could you guys do a podcast where you explore what's at stake in the control, in the management of words? Hmm. What is happening when people decide what can and cannot be said? <laughs> Which, uh, to be honest, we've done, we've touched on this before in a couple of places. In cultural moment pieces, um, and the professor in New York, he just said that 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 the language is becoming toxic, and then he was assaulted. Oh verbally. yeah, no, exactly. So we've touched on this, right? We and you, but we talked about cancel culture and yeah. So this one's different though. This is different because we're gonna we're gonna do one of those mind bender episodes. Oh gosh, and what we're gonna do is explore. Yes, we are living in a time where one of, the, one of the strategies of power, which it always is, but a tool that's being employed is language control. Hmm. And I, I feel like a certain type of person is already really happy and they're making some assumptions about where this is going. And another type of person is really unhappy and afraid of where this is going. And unless I'm <laughs> in for a very pleasant surprise, both of those parties don't know what we're going to say. <laughs> Uh, because, that would actually be the best surprise for me. <laughs> um, we're going to go and say, hey, when you're approaching a topic like this one, and you need to remind yourself that reality is only visible in Jesus, and you need to talk, remind yourself of the story that you're living in, and then you can kind of dive in and go, what is happening here? Because Certainly, in an empirical way, we could get opposing parties, uh, we could get actually the, the centrist representatives of opposing parties to agree that 
words are a battlefield right now. Mm. Why? Well, this is the whole reality is visible in Jesus. We have to premise this conversation with like, okay, so just quick reminder, everyone. What happened is that God made a world. Some of the spiritual creatures rebelled. Those spiritual creatures seduced human beings into joining the rebellion. God intervened. We're living at a moment in time where God is at war with spiritual evil, trying still to rescue those human beings who are allied with spiritual evil against God. And we, the friends of Jesus, are his partners overthrowing spiritual evil, restoring the human heart, and restoring the world. That's what's going on. Easy peasy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And so when we approach an issue like the management of words, we have to put it in that context of go, what's going on in terms of cosmic history? Overthrowing evil, defeating spiritual forces. Those were the same. Healing the human heart. That's right. Now working on Sunday. <laughs> you my Chick-fil-A. Uh, have I got <laughs> yeah, it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, restoring creation, setting things, mm. and like restoring the world. Okay. Now, words. Something important to remember is that God is not like humans. Humans are like God. And so... God doesn't have a language capacity that's like ours. What we do with words is like what God does with words. Hmm. The reason this is a mind bender is to go, God speaks before the creation of the world. Most people have never paused to go, what does that mean? Because God doesn't have lungs. There's no vibrations being generated. There's no sound waves traveling through a medium. There's no listener besides the other members of the Trinity. Uh, this same thing repeats itself anytime God is talking to angels or demons in the Bible. This is like the ultimate, if a tree falls in a forest, <laughs> does it even make a sound? Yeah, it is kind of like that, where <laughs> you go, if we want to understand language... And, it's, and we want to understand words and want to understand what's at stake. We have to go super bedrock and go, what is our language capacity? Because if you start inside academia, if you start inside the world, you'll go off in the wrong direction because you started in the wrong place. What is talking when there's not sound? What is talking when there's not a world yet? And the way that I want to describe it which becomes relevant in the way that we talk about language management, is this ability that I want to call an expression of yourself apart from your actions that makes your will known. Because if you ever had the experience, right? Well, you have had the experience where you have the same experience with someone, but then you have to talk about it to make sure it was the same. Mm. Mm -hmm. We're like, this happens all the time with, in dating, where you yo, you <laughs> for sure held hands. You can agree on or that. Or with, with women in general. In <laughs> dating or just with women. Uh, wives. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're always seeing eye to eye. It's actually, we've got this great children's book right now called They Saw a Cat. And it, it's just this simple narrative of like a cat walking through the world. And it's like, here's what the human saw. Here's what the, the, the dog saw. Here's what the flea saw. Here's what the mouse saw. 
And they're all having very different experiences of the same thing. Yes. And so how do they meet? How do they connect across the void of different experiences? They use this faculty, this ability that humans have that's like the ability that God has to express ourselves apart from actions. So it's not what you do, but you can meet. It's just incredible. And you look at when God talks, all kinds of crazy things happen. Like he can speak and a world is created. Mm. He can speak and there are consequences for people on the earth that aren't immediately visible, but simply affect reality. We talk, you remember the Blessing and Cursing podcast where we go, we can talk and it actually has a long-term effect for a person that's harmful even if we don't do anything else. We're able to express our wills in the world. Right, Barry? Yep. (laughs) My governing definition here is that it's an expression of, of yourself apart from your actions that makes yourself known. But it also makes you visible. It helps you explore the world. Uh, it helps you create new things. It helps you meet people. Mm. And we know that this is at stake when you have a marital fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've heard about. Which I read. I watched a YouTube video. Uh-huh. <laughs> if your spouse is going, you didn't hear me. You didn't pay attention to what you heard. They're not upset that like (laughs) the little bones in your ear didn't register the vibrations of their voice because that definitely happened. They're upset because you dismissed them. And the way to do that was to ignore this expression of their being uh, as they were trying to be met by you as you have conversation. I'm actually thinking of the creative writing class I took in high school where the teacher was really concerned with you having a voice in your writing. You can have words, you can say sentences, but it can be dead writing because the the author's voice isn't present. There isn't a flavor and opinion and presence behind the words. Yes, that is such a good example. What's the difference between text and the presence of a person in the text? Like, and and you can like or dislike authors. I love. Bill Bryson's books because of the personality that's evident in the language. Right. You can't actually escape it. You can't get away in any sentence. Right. Good writers are great at doing this. Uh, Let's key in on a couple of these elements of language. These are odd concepts. And when I think about this, it's very natural for me because literally decades at this point of liking the way that words work, liking the theories of how language functions. Yeah. Is it a symbol system? Right. Is it an expression of our mind? Right. Uh, and even that sentence is probably too much um, for most of us, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so you're very steeped in this, but for a lot of folks, myself included, the idea that the way that God speaks and uses language is different from the way that somebody else might speak and use language in a way that a chair from Ikea feels different than a craftsman's chair, where you have an experience of the person in the thing afterwards, as long as that thing exists, is probably kind of a mind blower, just even that concept. It's a total mind blower. As you're talking, I've thought of a better way to say it too. 
Oh, which thanks. is to go. No, not what you said. What I said. <laughs> I like what you said. No, it's not. That's, uh, let me tell you no. about communication and no, words. No, no, no. Um, great point. I thought of a way to revise an earlier statement that I made to get at this element that is like, what does it mean for God to speak if he's not cha- if he's not talking with a mouth? Chattering. Is he's not be- chattering. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sometimes he is, though. This is also very helpful for hearing the voice of God when mm. people are like, for me to hear the voice of God would be for me to hear vibrations that were produced by human vocal cords in these chambers yeah, of yeah. the throat right, and right. mouth that make particular sounds no that one, I can no put together. No one other than you is going to say that sentence. I do. <laughs> God has the ability to make himself known apart from his actions. Hmm. We're like, oh yeah, God can speak. And that is the original form of speech is an expression of your will and making yourself known, an ability to create and meet people that's done apart from motion, contact, gesture. We have that ability too. And our ability to do that is centralized in our voices, but it's also visible in words that we write down. And it's visible in things we post on the internet. And all of that is inside this basket called our speech. And so when you go like, wow, um, we have a faculty to make ourselves known apart from our actions. It's like God's ability to do that. And just as God's ability to make himself known can also create the world, can also connect with people, we can do that too. Hmm. That's the backdrop of what is this thing that is language? It's our ability to make ourselves known, create and connect apart from our actions. It's, it's amazing. We have a faculty to do that. We need to get one more thing in place before we can talk about what's at stake mm. with the management of words. Okay. And parenting is the example, right? Where I have to constantly remind myself that like stopping my kids from doing harmful things is a stopgap measure because the goal is that they would not do it themselves, right? Yeah. And, you know, M has to address, <laughs> M constantly addresses this in me because I'm like a high-touch parent. And right now, it's easier for me to just put on my daughter's shoes. Yeah. And then M will be like, she's four. It doesn't matter that it takes two more minutes. You can help her tie them, but have her put her own shoes on because the mm. goal is that, here, here we come, Morgan, uh, she becomes a mature individual. Right. She becomes someone who doesn't do harmful action. Right. Which makes me a low-touch parent when I want my son to learn that when you climb up on top of high things and fall off of them, that that hurts. Hence, maybe don't do it next time. Say more. <laughs> That's, I don't, he's never in danger, people. But I am definitely of the disposition of like, you know, I think of when we went sighting in our rifles with Luke and it was a cold morning and I put on long johns <laughs> and I <laughs> didn't text him and tell him that it was a good morning to wear long johns because that's a great way to learn to never forget your long johns. You'll this, you, you know that one lesson time. now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Parenting my younger brother. Sorry. God Luke. is like that. His vision is that we would be restored, mature people 
who actually had what we needed to rule and create alongside Jesus in eternity. And this is more about becoming a mature being than it is about controlling action. Exactly. Like what God does is restore people. You get Jesus railing against the religious experts in the New Testament going, it's about the heart. I don't want you to say loud prayers, okay? I want you to come to me in confidence the way a child comes to their parent. And setting up a rule can be a stepping stool in the direction of that ultimate maturity, but it's not the end. God wants to restore people. So we have these things. We have our faculty to express ourselves, to make ourselves known apart from our action. Yep. We have God's project, which is restoration, yep. not ultimate management. Right. And then we go, okay, now we're finally positioned to tie these things together, first one, then the other. When people try to control words, what they are doing is controlling reality. And sometimes this can seem good, like when you eliminate racial slurs. Mm -hmm. But it's not a good substitute for restoring the heart of the person who is using racial slurs. Mm. In fact, it can be used as an action of violence against such a person mm -hmm. to cut them off from reality by severing the word bridge. Sever the word bridge. Someone send me this on a t-shirt. <laughs> it's going to happen now. You, you're going to get a sever the word bridge t-shirt. And it's going to be super low quality. I'm going to make. You're going to regret it. If you send me a separate the word bridge t-shirt, uh, we will put it on Anton's Instagram. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. And if it's cool. We'll make it into a sticker. We may make it into a sticker. <laughs> right? But you go, what's at stake is reality and the ability to connect and to go, if expressing ourselves apart from our actions is part of the way that we share a world, right? You go, Wow, do you see that rock over there? Yeah, I see that rock over there. Oh my gosh, it's kind of greenish. No, it's kind of bluish green. You're right, it's kind of bluish green, right? And as two people with their words engage like a, like a scene, go to the zoo, you'll have this experience. Yeah, yeah. You go by yourself and then you go with a person and you realize, why is it that with a person I noticed twice as many things and it became so vivid? It's like, you used this discovery together. Well. What would happen if it was like, do you see that rock over there? What rock? Really? You don't? And someone would be like, oh, you mean that blob? And it's like, well, I, I was looking at that big rock, you know, right there. And be, oh, that blob? Yeah, that's just a blob. I guess it was just a blob. And what you can actually do <laughs> is you can undercut a person's picture, right. their actual connection yeah, yeah, it's with called, reality. It's called gaslighting. Gaslighting. Right. And so one of these, things, you know, something that we think here and that we're not Gnostics. We don't think that the material world is, ir is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. We think that our embodied experience is not separable from the rest of our experience. It follows in that sequence that our embodiment as men and women has something important to tell us about our experience. And this is a parade example right now, is what's going on with gendered language is not helpful if it's true that your embodied experience is a core part of your overall experience. 
Right. Because it's gaslighting. And it's like if you feel sad, but people never affirm that fact, what you end up is disjointed and confused and angry. The results are not good. Suicidal. Yeah. And so if you go, you're trying to make sense of like, man, I, I think that I'm a man. And someone's like, a what? A man. No. A man. No. It'd be like, okay, well, gosh. So, but let's go on to the, like another thing that doesn't work. Because if you are a free speech advocate, you are probably starting from the wrong place. Because free speech is a post-enlightenment idea that, that you know, that all men are created equal thing. That's uh, like, yeah. I, I am a person. I am a self and a self has rights. Mm-hmm. People have pointed out the incredible problem with the logic of selves is that selves are selves in relation. And so what a self can do is always going to be limited. And here's the example, right? Where it's like, if you live in a neighborhood, you have this experience okay. where you're like, I am a self. A self has, has rights. And if I want to cut down a tree and burn it in my yard, I should do that. But your neighbor can come and go, your sparks are going towards my house. And then self-man goes, well, you should trim back your shrubs. And then the next neighbor comes and is like, your sparks are going to my house too. And it's going, and self-man goes, well, you should both turn back your shrubs. And what you realize self-man is actually saying is, you can't control me. I get to control the entire world. <laughs> it's flawed because it begins with humanity as the center of the story. You'll never go a good place. If you start with, I'm made in the image of God who has this ability, and I'm engaging other people who, though they may be harmful to me, what I'm trying to do as Jesus' ally is overthrow cosmic evil, spiritual evil, and restore the human heart and restore the world, to be like, are you interested in an abstract, in quotes, good, or are you interested in the restoration of the person in front of you? It's Jesus' dodges. Some person comes to you and says, you can't say men anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could go, yes, I can. You don't get to tell me what to do. I get to tell you what to do. Even <laughs> if it's don't listen to me, put your fingers in your ears. <laughs> Dallas Willard says the test of the formation of Christ in a person is if they spontaneously respond to their enemies in love. So a person comes to you and goes, you cannot use gendered language anymore. Do you feel angry because they were trying to do you harm with the word weapon and sever the word bridge? Or do you actually feel moved uh, in love for them and hope that Jesus would redeem them, could get to their heart and to be like, oh, this incredible, you don't have to get drawn into the debate. The problem with knowing more about how words work is you could end up more of an asshole. Because uh, you're like, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to sever my word bridge. Mm-hmm. You're trying to impose your will. You're trying to debase reality. Uh, to be like, well, I know what you're trying to do, but you, it won't work. Because reality is rooted in Christ who cannot be overcome. And you are hurting me, but you know what? You can't take anything from me that Jesus can't give back to me. And... You would be my enemy, except that the effect of your destructive behavior has been canceled by Jesus. And I get to go like, what is going on? How did you get to the place where you felt like your only option was to go around controlling the world? (laughs) Uh, Yep. (laughs) Oh, I'm just reading all of the headlines that get passed around these days. And it does feel like 
a bait into what feels like a tug of war that would benefit from going back to preschool and learning actually how to be kind and learning that you don't get to control everybody else and yet jump in anywhere these days feels like just one side or the other hacking at the word bridge. It just feels like what the world is trying to offer is a bigger piece of land once the word bridge has been cut, right? Like when this falls and it's going to, you want to be on the side that has more space for us to spread out onto, more freedoms, more benefits after the fact. And I am struck by how difficult it feels to navigate that in light of Jesus and say, uh, actually, no, there's a third way. And he is the true bridge between mankind and what is Boom. our role as followers of him and not participating. Yeah. Boom. Exactly. I didn't even think of describing Jesus as the true bridge, but I mean, lots of orthodox writers do. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I didn't come up with that idea myself. It's so good. I'm just plagiarizing uh, over here. Well, you know, what we want to do in this episode is help you understand what's going on, what's at stake in the management of words. But when you understand more about human evil, you have to have a simultaneously larger picture of Jesus's work or you'll just become an angry, sad person and go, and people are like, you know, hey, we're not going to say, we're not going to use blank thing anymore. And you go, oh, you're changing the shape of reality. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it without changing the human heart, mm -hmm. which is not a good plan. But can you go, and you know what? That's okay. Because of the story that we're situated in. Listen, what people are trying to do when they manage words is get to the root of reality and shape it in a fundamental way. Like, what happens to the essence of a society when you demand that everyone call the leader your father? Mm. And to go, whoa, you're, hang on. This is, that's ooh, what, ooh, ooh, I know this reference. That's what people are doing. Well, there's more than one. Oh, really? <laughs> this actually. It goes beyond. No, I'm sure there's lots. Nazi I, I, under, I understand my ignorance. I was thinking of Russia. I wasn't even thinking of Russia. I was thinking the of... The motherland. Boom. Motherlands versus fatherlands. I don't know what the different... What people decide one of the two, but... I think power versus debt. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You owe your mother something. She brought you in this world. She nurtured you. She cared for you. Now you have a debt to pay. Your father gives you power. Your father initiates you, and, and you have to go with him out to defeat and to war. You're blowing my mind right now. No, no, that's that's a just, good reading. There you go. That's, wow. my, that's my on the spot. Uh, do I get an A? The a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Undergrad. It's so easy. Take that. <laughs> Political scientists. <laughs> slash, I don't know. I'm going to get emails about that one for sure. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have an email account. <laughs> uh Right? So what people are doing is hacking reality, but your strategy in response is not born from the need to assert and defend yourself. Your strategy in response is to partner with Jesus in the overthrow of spiritual evil, the restoration of the human heart, and the restoration of the world. That will work. 
Everything else is just a distraction. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We are calling these episodes uh, the Meta Dragon, which you might have seen in the show notes, uh, which is mostly for a misunderstanding with some an accent and uh, the fact that these can be fairly intense and on a meta level. So anyway, there you go. And glad you listened to the latest Meta Dragon episode. I wanted to give you an update on the February experiment recap episode. That one is in the works. We've been doing some interviews and piecing together our follow-up to that. So that's actually coming up next week, um, though we're getting now late on in March. So keep your ears peeled. I don't think that's an expression, but it should be one. If there's any of you out there that have done the experiment and didn't end up emailing, we've got a handful of hats left, so you should reach out. Um, if you did this or if you did it and uh, you forgot to email. Uh, the email is samandblaine at wildatheart.org. So go ahead and shoot me a line if you want to cash in on a hat. And for the rest of you, hope you enjoy the episode next week. 